Well, when you hear a name, what comes to mind? If I was this morning to say, which I'm going to say, George Washington, what do you think of? Probably his face, maybe his accomplishments, maybe you think of Valley Forge or the crossing of the Delaware. Perhaps you think of his word, some pithy thing that George Washington is known for saying. Or maybe you think of his authority as the first president of the United States of America. Well, when the Bible talks about the name of the Lord, it is talking about the person, the accomplishments, the word, and the authority of the Lord. 107 times in the Old Testament, we have the phrase, the name of the Lord, that exact phrase. Other times, you'll have, um, you know, in his name. But where it actually says the name of the Lord is over 107 times. And it's speaking more than just Yahweh. It's speaking of more than just a nomenclature. It is speaking, again, about the person, who they are, who he is, who the Lord is, about his accomplishments, what God has done, about his word, his promises, his instruction, his wisdom, and his authority, his position and power. And when we talk about the name of Jesus, or we hear that phrase, in the name of Jesus, we are talking about the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Messiah, great high priest, sacrifice for sins, resurrection, and the life. We're talking about his accomplishments, that he died for our sins, actually that he was incarnate, that he came to earth and lived as a man, We're talking about the fact that he defeated sin and the devil on the cross, that he took the wrath of God for us, that he conquered death and he rose again from the dead. We're talking about his word, what he taught, what he promised, what he spoke. And we're talking about his authority, his authority as the son of God on the right hand of God, the Lord and conqueror of death, demons, darkness, and destruction. That is what we are talking about when we say the name. As you know, Jesus is more than just a name. Many boys are named Joshua, which is, or Yeshua, the Hebrew equivalent of Jesus. Jesus is the Greek for Yahshua. And then, of course, you know, in the Hispanic culture, you meet a lot of little boys named Jesus. And when you read it on their name tag, it's a little jarring, isn't it? Whoa. J-E-S-U-S, that's your name, you're brave. It's more than a name. Again, we're not just saying just a name. There's no power in just a name. In Acts 19.13, which we'll get to, we have these sons of Sceva who come across this demon-possessed man, and they say, we adjure you by... Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out of this man. And the demon speaks and he says, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but you I don't know. You see, they were just trying to use the name of Jesus. Just the name. But it's got to be more than a name. Because it's believing in the person of Jesus, the accomplishments of Jesus, the word of Jesus, and the authority of Jesus.
Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 13 through 14, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. He is not just saying, ask in the Jesus that someone preaches. Ask in the word Jesus or this name. It is about knowing Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the person, the accomplishments, the word, and the authority of Jesus. The name of Jesus is our sufficiency, our authority. It's the reason and power behind what we do. This is what we're going to see today in this Bible study. That the name of Jesus is our sufficiency, our authority, and our blessing. Peter and John had gone to the beautiful gate, and they were going to pray at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon when they saw a lame man who was about 40 years old or so and had been lame since birth. And there he was begging for alms. And Peter fixed his eyes on him. Now, I love it today. Somebody said this. They said that Peter gave this man his attention, his affection, his concern, and his time. Don't you love that? I mean, Peter stops and he fixes his eyes. We do this, don't we, now? The pointing thing. I see you. But <laughs> I could just see Peter. But Peter fixes his attention on this man and he says, Look at me. Look at me. And this man looks at Peter expecting alms, expecting money, expecting a trifle. But Peter says, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Notice the name, Jesus. The name Jesus, what does that mean? We all have meanings for our name, don't we? The name Cheryl means feminine. I think my mother gave me that name in hope. <laughs> and so when I was a little girl, I loved to climb trees, skateboard, uh, and other, uh, played baseball. But the name Cheryl means, you know, feminine. It's the, Charles means masculine, and Cheryl is the female equivalent of Charles. Yep. In fact, my mom named me Sherry, but my dad changed it to Cheryl. But Jesus means Savior. Savior. And let me say this. Not only did he save us from our sins, but he also is saving us every day. It's in his nature to save. He's always going to save you. Sometimes we get this idea, well, he just saved us once and now we're on our own. No. Every day he is saving us. His name means Savior. Next, Christ. This word, Christos, in the Greek means Messiah, promised one or anointed one. It speaks of his mission, what he came to do. And then Nazareth. This speaks of his humanity, the one with the reputation in Israel, in Jerusalem. Jesus, the Messiah 
of Nazareth, that God became one with man and walked with us. Peter made it perfectly clear to this man who he was talking about. The layman was healed because of the work of Jesus Christ. Peter, when he would recount this event, would say, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to the helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. The power is in the testimony of Jesus Christ. The power to heal, the power to stand, the power to be transformed, the power to change. And we know that this lame man was immediately changed. We're told that he received strength in his bones and ankles by the person of Jesus Christ. And he stood up, and if that wasn't enough, he walked. And if that wasn't enough, he leaped. And if that wasn't enough, he entered the courtyard of the temple where, being lame, he was never allowed before. Isn't that amazing? By the name of Jesus Christ, he was able to enter where he was never allowed to go before because we're told in the Old Testament law that no lame man was ever allowed in the court. But by the transformation, by the power of the name of Jesus Christ, I want to say to you today, this name, the name of Jesus, and again, we're talking about the person, the accomplishments, the word, and the authority. By this name, this name is our sufficiency. We stand whole and complete before God because of Jesus, because of what of who he is, what he's done, what he has promised, and the authority that he holds. That's why we are whole and complete. Cheryl Broderson is not a whole person. Sometimes I wonder about her mental state. I'll be quite honest. But this isn't about Cheryl Broderson. This is about Jesus Christ and who he is. There was no way we could save ourselves. Peter was in no way fit to serve Christ before the cross and resurrection. Let me remind you a little bit of who Peter was. He was the disciple that rebuked Jesus. He was the disciple that argued with Jesus. He is the disciple that misinterpreted Jesus. He was the disciple that boasted to Jesus. He was the disciple that was sleeping when Jesus told him to stay awake. He was the disciple that was sleeping during Jesus' greatest trial on earth. He was the disciple that forsook Jesus. He was the disciple that denied Jesus. And yet here he is, equipped and sufficient to pronounce the name of Jesus on this lame man and for this lame man to receive strength and get up and walk and leap and praise God and enter into the court of the Lord. P- 
Peter had no silver or gold. How many times have we said, oh Lord, I could serve you so much better if I had silver and gold and lots of it. You know, you see people in need like, Lord, if you just want to make me a dispensary, I would love that. Just you give me silver and gold and I'll give it away. Just please, Lord. But you know, he withholds the silver and gold because he's got something more powerful. I've often wondered, what if Peter had had silver and gold? That lame man would have died as a lame man. But because Peter did not have silver and gold, that man rose up, received strength, walked and leaped and praised God and entered into the court of the Lord. So many times we think we need something to accredit us, don't we? You're just like me. You think you need resources. You know, Lord, if I had a bigger house, or if I had a better car, or if I had this resource or that resource, if I had a husband, if I didn't have a husband, we have all these different things. Lord, if I had training for this, or better training, I'm not trained for this. Lord, if I had a better education, or if I had an education, Lord, if only I knew so-and-so and had connections to the White House, to the Congress, to the Senate, to the governor. Oh, Lord, if only I had connections. The only resource we need is to be connected to the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That is our sufficiency. In that name is healing and miracles and the proclamation of the person accomplishment, word, and authority of Jesus. Remember Peter and John? Here the, here's the council looking at them, and this is what they recognize. They're uneducated, untrained, Galileans, which means unsophisticated. That's what it was considered, unsophisticated and without silver and gold. D.L. Moody, who never received an education above 12 years old, was the foremost evangelist in the United States and England. They said he couldn't even talk right, that he butchered the English language every time he spoke, that he just had these ways of pronouncing things, and people would try to correct him, and he'd be like, oh, bless you, thank you, and then say it the wrong way. (laughs) He went to Cambridge College to speak, and those in Cambridge College were so disgusted that they would send an American to address them and an American that was stunted in his education and so barbaric in his elocution and when he got up to speak uh, the foremost students at that school they had these staffs and they begin pounding the staffs and they begin going ee-haw, ee-haw, ee-haw like a donkey. And they did it so loudly that D.L. Moody couldn't speak. And he just stood there and prayed. Well, he was supposed to speak every night of the week. They said, do you want to cancel? He said, nope, we're going back in. And he said, but we're going to spend all night praying and we're going to fast. And they prayed and they fasted. And they went, and D.L. Moody said this, 
And tomorrow night, when they come to Jesus, they have to walk right down the middle aisle, stand in front of me, and then go to the room to accept Jesus. <laughs> the next day, those men came in with their staffs and ready to do, but the power of God met them there. There was weeping. There was clapping. And it was as if the whole student body gave their lives to the Lord. And D.L. Moody said, if you want Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, get up, stand in front of me, and then make your way to the inquiry room. I don't, I don't even think he said inquiry right either. I think he said inquire room. And those, they got up, they came forward, and then they went to the room and received Jesus Christ. And a huge revival started. There was a group that came out of that that was known as the Cambridge Seven. The number one cricket player at that school got saved. The captain of the crew team got saved. And these men not only went over all over England sharing the gospel with a great response, but they later went to China and India and Africa as missionaries for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, D. Moody knew something. He knew he didn't need an education. He didn't need training. All he needed was the sufficiency that's found in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Paul said, where do we get our sufficiency? Because we are not sufficient in ourselves as if anything could be of ourselves. As Paul saying, I can't do what I'm doing by Paul, and Paul the apostle was educated. If anyone could say, hey, I'm educated. If you read Philippians chapter 3, he's telling you his credentials. He's the son of a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, he persecuted the church. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was top in his field. But he said, those things that were gained to me, I count loss. For the excellency of Jesus Christ. We stand in the sufficiency of Jesus, who He is, what He's accomplished, what He has promised. We don't deserve it, but He promised us, and I'm taking Him up on it. And His authority. These men had done what no one else but Jesus Christ could do. They healed a man who was lame since birth. As later they would say to those men, you judge. This man is whole because of the name of Jesus. The very name you're telling us not to say is the whole reason that this man stands whole. They boldly proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ and led a multitude to salvation. The person, accomplishments, and word and authority of Jesus is all we need. That is what we need. It is sufficient for all things. Whatever you're going through. I think I said this last week, but, you know, teaching Sunday school. You know, you say, who is the man taken up in the whirlwind? Jesus. And you're like, well, you know, Elijah, but he loved Jesus. You know, who, you know, what's the town that Jesus was born in? Jesus. You know, that, that just... In Sunday school, that's the answer for everything. But you know what? It is, isn't it? It's the answer for everything. No matter what you're going through, 
No matter what you're called to, Jesus is sufficient for all you need. He's sufficient for all you do. He's sufficient for every good work. We stand in the person of Jesus. He is righteous, holy, and just. We're not. He is. But we stand in him. And when we stand in him, we stand in his holiness and his justice and his righteousness. He absolutely pleased God in everything he did. Jesus said, I always do those things that please my father. We don't always do it, but when we stand in Jesus, we are doing those things that please the father. He went about doing good. What he said and what he did was always the right thing to do. And we stand in that. We have all sinned and come short. Like Peter, we are so lacking. But we stand not only in the person of Jesus Christ, but in the accomplishments of Jesus Christ. We stand in the cross, forgiven, washed, cleansed, justified, or made righteous. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 We come in the name of Jesus the code name to get into the throne room of God is Jesus. When my father was at the hospital, we had a code word, which was Kelsey. If you wanted to visit my dad, because we, you know, it was a very humiliating time for him, and we tried to keep it to family only, so we had this code word, Kelsey, which is also my daughter's name. We keep it easy in my family. But it would get you into my dad's hospital room. You go up to a nurse. I'd like to see Chuck Smith. They'd say, don't know what you're talking about. You say, Kelsey, follow me. When you come to the throne room of God, you say, Jesus, and the doors fly open. Jesus is the code word. Jesus is our boldness. Jesus is our way in. It's, we stand in what he has done. This is the name that gets us an audience with God. Christ has accomplished for us what we could never do for ourselves. He has saved us. As Peter said in chapter 4, verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus saved us from self-destruction on earth. He saves us from death, and he saves us every day from the wiles of the devil. You see, Jesus also defeated Satan on the cross. Satan is defeated. There is a filter that Satan must come through to get to you. There is a divine hedge. So you can know today, whatever trial is touching you, It is bound for glory. It is stamped already with the word victory, the victory of the cross on it. Nothing can touch you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Not that it's not formed. The the ammunition plant is bad. The weapons of mass destruction, but they blow up in the enemy's hands because of Jesus Because he has defeated Satan and we stand in his victory. We stand in the victory of Jesus Christ. 
We stand in the word of Jesus. His promises are our assurances. When you read what Jesus has promised, it is true, it is true, it is true. You can stand in it. It's absolute. What he says is the true reality. It's not wishful thinking. It's not mythology. It is the way things really are. It is what is really going on. His word is alive and living and more powerful than a double-edged sword. We are not just quoting his word. We are living it out. As Jesus said, he who has my commands and keeps them. Or in Matthew chapter 7 when he said, he who hears my word and does it, does it, obeys it, is like a man who builds his house on a rock. And the storms and the wind and the rains assail it, but they cannot shake it. They cannot destroy it. We stand in the word of God. Our word wavers. Does your word waver? One, I don't always communicate what I want to. Sometimes I'm saying things. You know what I say sometimes? When I'm agreeing with somebody, I say, no, 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 no. My mom, one time I'm doing that, my mom says, Cheryl. I'm like, oh, yes, 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 yes. Because that's what I meant. Yes, 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 yes. Somebody said the other day, you're shaking your head no. I go, I know. I get those two always mixed up. I mean this. But that's harder to do than this. This is easier than this. Because this gives you a headache. This doesn't. Even right now. Oh. We get things wrong, don't we? We hear a story, we run with it, and we start blah, 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 blah. And somebody says, that's not what really happened. Whoops. Whoa. We get it wrong sometimes, don't we? We sometimes believe the wrong people. Because lies are so, um, well, actually, Proverbs says that lies are like tasty trifles. And sometimes they are. It's what we want to believe. Not the truth, but what we want to believe. The reality we want to accept. So we get things wrong. Our words wound often, don't they? And they hurt people. We say things about people so glibly, and when they hear, they're like, ow, I'm dying. But Jesus' words impart life and love and hope and comfort and acceptance and grace and compassion and love. We stand in the authority of Jesus. The religious leaders wanted to know the authority of the disciples. They asked them, by what power or name have you done this? Peter did not heal, preach, or proclaim his own name. But he proclaimed the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That was his authority to heal. That was his authority to preach. That was his authority to boldly proclaim before the council. Peter and John, under this authority, the authority of Jesus Christ, were unafraid of being arrested. We're unafraid of this trial before the same council that crucified Jesus, the council that Peter had hid from. They were unafraid of the threats. And remember, it said they threatened them severely. They were not intimidated. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Peter and John knew the one who sat on the right hand of God. As Peter would quote the Psalms in verse 34 and 35 of chapter um, 2, 
when he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Peter knew the authority of Jesus Christ, the one who was from everlasting to everlasting. He knew the judge of all men. He knew that these men on this council would someday have to stand before Jesus and give account of everything they did and said. And what were men compared to Jesus Christ? I was just reading Psalm 118, verse 6, where it says this, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can mere men do to me? No doubt that was the attitude of these disciples. You're men. We've got the resurrection and the life and the authority of Jesus Christ on our side. You're men. Men who are subject to death. And death bowed to Jesus Christ. Death could not hold Jesus Christ. Death bows before Jesus. When threatened, this is how they were affected by the name of Jesus and the authority. They prayed for greater boldness. Arrested, held overnight, tried, threatened. They said, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And then they went and they met with the disciples, raised their voice with one accord, prayed for greater Boldness. That always gets me. Greater boldness? You don't think that was great? You don't think that was really like good boldness? I want more. Greater boldness. Lord, don't even let us be a tidbit intimidated by their threats. They entrusted their entire estate to God. Lord, these bodies belong to you. Whatever you want. And they were unstoppable because of the name of Jesus. As they quoted from the Psalms, Why did the nations rage and the people blot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. They realized that the authority of Jesus, nations could not stand against. Rulers could not stand against. Plans and plots could not stand against the name of Jesus. And under the authority of Jesus, they received the answer to their prayers because all the promises of God are in Christ and they are yes and amen. In Jesus, our prayers are answered through the authority of Jesus Christ. We're told that the place was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. The name of Jesus is our blessing. It is the blessing on our lives. God loves those who love his son. In John 16, 27, Jesus said, For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. God answered their prayer. God blessed their fellowship. In verses 32 through 37, we're told that they believed the name of Jesus and they were of one heart, one soul, shared everything, They had great power, great grace upon them all, and no one lacked anything among the fellowship. We're also told there was encouragement. One man whose real name was Joseph was called Barnabas, or son of encouragement. It is so important for us to understand the name of Jesus. Peter was able to give a clear presentation of this name. When those who gathered around the layman were curious about what was going on. 
Peter was able to proclaim the name of Jesus. When the Jewish council asked him about his authority, the power, the name, he was able to give a clear presentation of the person, the accomplishments, the word, and the authority of Jesus Christ. Peter would later instruct believers in his epistle, his first epistle in chapter 3, verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Peter would say, always be ready. And how are you ready? By sanctifying the Lord in your heart, putting Jesus Christ of Nazareth on the throne of your heart. Peter was able to give these people an intimate portrait of Jesus' name. Why? Because he had spent time with Jesus. Why? Because he had listened to Jesus. Why? Because he had been personally transformed by Jesus. And these men on that council that were threatening, that were against Peter and John, that were against the name of Jesus, they couldn't do anything. They just had to stand back and observe. They could bluff, they could threaten, but they couldn't do anything. Remember the person of Jesus. Holy, just, prince of life, God's servant, prophet, stone that the builders rejected, forgiver of sins, sanctifier, refresher, the one who's coming again. Remember the accomplishments of Jesus, his suffering, his murder, his fulfillment of scripture, his conquering of death, his resurrection, his provision of salvation. Remember the word of Jesus, what he has promised, the times of refreshment, the restoration of all things. Remember the authority of Jesus, that Jesus right now is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. It is vital that we have a clear understanding of the name of Jesus again, that we have a clear understanding of the power, the sufficiency, the blessing of this name. It is as we come under the banner of the name of Jesus Believing in the name of Jesus, all he has done, all he is, all he has said, and his authority, that the Holy Spirit is able to work in us. See, the Holy Spirit will not work in us and cannot work in us until we believe in the name of Jesus. Some people call the work of the Holy Spirit the second work. Because you first must believe in Jesus Christ. As Peter said, you must believe. And then times of refreshing from the Lord will come. You must believe and then the torrents of water will flow. Best way to know the name of Jesus, to know his person, his accomplishments, his word, his authority, is to study the word of God. To pray and to fellowship. These men had been in prayer And when they were threatened, they went right back to fellowship with other believers and prayed. Fellowship is so important because fellowship is where we're reminded of the person, of the accomplishments, of the word, and of the authority of Jesus Christ. It's where we can come together and pray in unison, wherever two or three are gathered together. In my name, 
in my name, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name. If two or three should ask anything in my name, I will do it. It is in this name we need to resort in prayer together to the name of Jesus. We need to know the name of Jesus that we might stand, that we might have the sufficiency and the authority, the confidence, the power that is ours in the name of Jesus, that we might be ready to give an altar call to anyone and everyone who asks, by what authority, by what authority are you going to church? By what authority? I, I had this one man, I was on an airplane, and he came up to me, and he was trying to flirt with me, which I found kind of hilarious. I was younger then, though, so maybe it wasn't as hilarious. But I started sharing Jesus with him. He was asking me for my telephone number, and I said, no, you give me yours, and I'll have my husband call you. <laughs> He's like, why would you do that? Because I'm smart. <laughs> but, he, you know, he kept saying things. And I, at one point, the conversation came to heaven. And he said, don't you think you're a little bit conceited, thinking that you can go to heaven? You know, I find that so presumptuous. And I looked at him and I said, if I thought it was because of my goodness or my righteous life or my kindness or anything about me that I was going to heaven, you're right. I wouldn't just be presumptuous. I'd be stupid. But I said, I am going to heaven because of Jesus Christ and what he has done and what he has promised and because of his authority. That's how I'm getting to heaven. I'm just going to stand in Jesus and take the Jesus elevator straight up. We can stand in the name of Jesus. He is our sufficiency. Jesus, our Savior, Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One of Nazareth, our High Priest who empathizes and understands us, knows we're not perfect, so he is. We stand in that today. Let's go ahead and stand up right now. There will be women after the service to pray with you. I've got some commitments, unfortunately. But I'll be praying in my heart for you, and I'm going to pray over you right now. Lord Jesus, here are your daughters. They are yours. They belong to you. Lord, I pray that you would show them and give them a revelation this week of the greatness of your name. Lord, of the person of your name, of the accomplishments of your name, of the promises in your name, and of the authority that is in your name. My, well, my, <laughs> Lord, may my sisters be sufficient. Lord, may they feel the pulsing sufficiency of Jesus Christ for everything that they need to do. May they stand in your authority. May they in no way be terrified by anything, but realize that everything has already come under your feet and your authority. Lord, bless my sisters, strengthen them, help them, let them go out with joy and be led forth in peace. In Jesus' name, amen.